This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. As always, my name is Sam, and I'm your host. And joining me to help take our leadership to heights (laughs) hitherto unknown. The summit. Dr. Richard Blackaby. Good to be with you, Sam. You know, Richard, since last we spoke, or last we've recorded, you have done something that uh, you probably never thought you'd ever do. Mm -hmm. And that Actually, I did two things. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I know of one. Yeah. Well, they're both related. Oh, good. <laughs> I ran my first and my last half marathon. <laughs> All in the same event. Oh, wow. Yeah, what I ran my first half marathon. And when we started this podcast, I was trying, had a goal um, of a 5K without stopping. Yeah. And a stretch goal of a 10K. Yeah. And so. And, and we yeah. met that 10K. Was that just last year? Uh, July 4th, last year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, and of course, 10K is uh, 6.1, 6.2 miles. Yeah. And a half marathon is 13.1. And I I, I did it. Uh, I tell you, I, I hurt from it. The last couple of miles were brutal. Yeah. Had to go up. Uh, uh, my son, Daniel, had kind of misled me. He he ran with me. Not Daniel. But he said, I said, well, Daniel, I've only I've only one time ever run 10 miles, and this is 3.1 miles farther. But he said, yeah, but the last three miles or so are up on the Na- on a NASCAR racetrack, and all the fans will be cheering you on, and, and it's level, and it'll be easy to run the last three miles. And that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran up to the up the steep incline up onto the track, and the sun had come out. And you know we're in Atlanta, so it's not all that wintry here now. And it was in the high seventies, and blacktop for NASCAR cars running around, racing around, and uh, and it was just oh, it was it was rough the last couple of miles, but yeah, but you did it. My knee was hurting, uh, my heart rate was up, but uh, ran the whole thing, and uh, so yeah, huge huge sense of accomplishment. Yeah, and that's uh, no that's no easy task, and it's it's cool to see you've come so far from from yeah. just wanting to do a five k a few years ago, and yeah. And uh, you know, I I want I immediately had Lisa order me one of those thirteen point one stickers for the back of our car. Because yeah, what's the point of doing if you don't get the sticker and the bling, the the, the big trophy? Uh, but, and luckily, we have this podcast here for you to tell people about. Yeah, it, so it's even and, uh, But my the one the funny thing about that was that my wife, my, my son Dana, ran with me and helped me. I needed him to in case I, he had to call nine one one. Yeah, and. Uh, but my wife ran behind us uh, a little bit slower pace, and and she thought she got turned around up on that NASCAR track, and followed the wrong set of pylons. And before she knew it, she was headed to the finish line, and she still had one entire lap to go. So yeah. she had to run from right pretty well from the finish line. She had to run all the way back out onto the track and run around one more mile when she thought she was done, which was brutal. But when she ordered the the stickers or you know for the little things for the back of our car she ordered me a 13.1 sticker she ordered herself a 13.7 sticker <laughs> and it, it says 13.7 and then it says i got lost <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's this, great. so we'll each have our own little reminder in the back of our car now well good well yep. we're proud of you and that's well, uh, thanks 
Well done. Oh, go on. <laughs> well, that's about all we have time for. And uh, <clears throat> well, today we want to look at uh, trials and tribulations that that leaders face. And, uh, you know, these are the great levelers of mm-hmm. of ourselves. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we, you know, we think we're something or we think we're less. And, and uh, time and, and tribulation reveals what's really going on. So why don't yeah. you lay this out for us? Well, and I should say, I just this morning, earlier today, I did um, a, uh, a devotional for a company called STI. Uh, CEO is uh, Paul Spence, and I know he listens to this podcast. Now I'm going to do a shout out to him because I'm going to I'm going to share some of the same devotional I did for him and his executive team this morning. Right. They so, uh, so service America's energy is their byline. Uh, so just recycling material. Recycling. So. Uh, this is called uh, getting the most value for the same devotional. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, now and then I'll do a. a I'll zoom in and just do a devotional for a leadership team yeah. of a company or a ministry and enjoy doing that when I can on this zoom age in which we live. But, uh, but as I was, so I'd kind of done something fresh just this morning for him. So this is just a little slightly less fresh podcast, yeah. but you know, I, you work through some stuff. You think, ah, oh, just that. I, but but I, you, I, you, but what you're going to get here, folks, is the bits that he really meant to put in. Yeah, I want a second. First I want another around. run at this. Yeah, this yeah. is so. This is really probably the the better version. Right, new and improved. I've had the trial run, the, yeah. the test. The, uh, You've so worked the kinks out. So now this is. Yeah, we're really. So now be. we're putting it out for the public at large. Good. Um, you know, I I remember years ago, I I. I grew up in, in Canada, and I remember watching people play hockey. And of course, little boys, especially in Canada, they they watch uh, the NHL and they they dream of them doing that. Yeah. And they get out on the street with their hockey stick and play pickup games just with their boots on, and might go down to a local rink. And and so I I had moved to Canada a little bit later as a child, and so. Uh, Canadian boys learn to skate when they're two and three years old, and I was behind the the game in that. But um, but I always dreamed of of one day playing a real hockey game, and uh, and so when I got into high school, our church had a hockey team, and it was a really good, it was a high level league. It was uh, great competition and and so on, and um, and I had some guys in the church that helped me learn how to skate and and play, and so finally. I got to a point where they felt I was ready for a real game. And so I actually went down and bought some hockey equipment. And I'll tell you what, you know, when anyone who's ever played football or any sport where you put on shoulder pads and things and you put your jersey over top or you have a helmet. uh, And like in hockey, you, 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 you know, you, when you're wearing skates, you're even taller than normal. So like, I put out all that on and looked at myself in the mirror, and I was impressed. Yeah, uh, it did the <laughs> awesomeness of my stature, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to crush these. You were intimidating yourself. Oh, I was intimidated, right? Just at the mere sight of myself in the mirror, and so I could hardly wait to get to the game. And so, finally, the, my very first game, all years, I've dreamed of it, and I've speculated and I've thought it through and I've done all this stuff but now I actually am in an arena there's fans out there uh, my parents are watching and I step out on the ice for the first time in the pregame skate and I am and I'm sure these 
fans and the stage on the sidelines are looking and saying, wow, who is that behemoth that just entered onto the ice? And uh, I'd hate to go in the corner with him. What an impressive sight. And I can, I, I'm sure that people are watching me and impressed with me. And you can I hear the oohs and the ahs. Yeah, the oohs. Kind of... uh, and I, people are watching me. Like, who, oh, who, what player did they just, th that team just pick up? And, uh, the secret weapon. Yes. And so uh, unleash the weapon. <laughs> so, so uh, but I make one one kind of loop around this warm up skate, and the, our goalie was a very good goalie, very experienced uh, veteran hockey player. He he hollers my name and he signals for me to come over to him. And I I figure he's maybe wanting to ask for like some advice. Uh, he sees me there, probably wants me to protect the net, maybe play defense, so he feels safer with someone like me there. And I and he so he says Richard, and he signals to come over. So I saunter on over there to you know trying to play Just this up, glide, consultation, smoothly. you know, sort of you know slide up next to him, and and he, he leans over to me and he says, "You've got your helmet on backwards." <laughs> I, I don't even know how my helmet went on the proper way. I'm wearing it backwards, skating around in front of all the fans. So that. Quickly took me down. How much size. more intimidating were you, though? Yeah, the, you know, when you got it around self. the right way. Yeah. That's, so you know, I I, I want to just talk for a minute about the fact that a lot. I would say maybe even the majority of people have the wrong view of themselves. We we all tend to look at ourselves with sort of rose-colored glasses, yeah. and uh, and there's a bunch of us who look at ourselves better than we really are, and then there are some that that take a look at ourselves less than we are. We, that we, sometimes we overestimate ourselves and our uh, ability. Sometimes we underestimate it. And one of, the, one of the best ways to discover what's actually accurate, where you sort of calibrate your vision of yourself with reality, is by uh, living out your life and leading and experiencing adversity. And that, that has a way of sort of bringing you back to the, the reality of where you're really at. And uh, I, I, I'm reminded of Dwight Eisenhower, who was a professional career soldier, uh, had gone to West Point. Um, interestingly, he'd applied both at the Naval Academy and West Point, but he was too old uh, to get into the Naval Academy, so he went into the Army. Hmm. He's going to end up commanding uh, the whole invasion of Europe against the Nazis, but only because he was too old to be a sailor. Um, and so, but but in the 30s and the 20s, uh, not a great time to be in the army. After World War One, they were you know downsizing and cutting budgets and uh, trying to not have to put a bunch of money into the military. So he, a lot of his friends are all going off into business and making a lot more money. And so he he is a professional kind of what they call sort of a staff officer, which means he's not ever really led in battle, but he, he'll he be put to a post and he's a paper, paper shuffler and an organizer and a manager and he knows all the rules and procedures and and he, and he can follow them to the book and he's a great assistant to, to the commanding officer and you know keeps all the administration management issues in place. But he always dreamed and thought about, read about one day leading in battle. And it's not until about 1943 or so that the Americans finally get into active battle and combat in North Africa. And uh, before they invaded Europe, they, they fought in Africa. And Eisenhower is going to be in charge. And his finally, after all these years, he has a, an actual command. But he's up against Erwin Rommel, which 
his, his nickname was the Desert Fox, may, maybe the best general that uh, that Germany had. And uh, he's brilliant, he's aggressive, uh, and he senses fresh meat, this American general that's never led in battle before. And so at the Kasserine Pass, the Germans kind of set up a trap, and they, they're this, they're battling over uh, occupying certain parts of North Africa. And basically, uh, for the most part, uh, Rommel spanks Eisenhower. Eisenhower's used to everything being done in an orderly fashion, and you follow procedures and protocols. And that works fine if you're just running a normal base, but when people are shooting at you and tanks are charging at you, you sometimes you got to throw the book out and you got to just fight back. Yeah. And, uh, and so as a result, uh, Eisenhower's first battle that he always dreamed of, kind of like my first hockey game, it, he, he found out his helmet was on backwards and yeah. uh, the Americans suffer a number of casualties. They lose a lot of their weapon, their tanks and so on. And, uh, um, and, and as Eisenhower looks at that, he makes a number of um, adjustments. He realizes, number one, sometimes you can't, you know, battles don't always follow the book. Sometimes you got to rewrite a chapter and you yeah. got to say, well, in this case, uh, we're going to have to respond this way. And Eisenhower realized that he was a little timid. You know, he, did, he, did, he was so concerned about not making a mistake that he didn't grasp victory. Yeah, and there's a difference sometimes between not losing and winning, and uh, he was concerned about not losing, mm. and so he missed opportunities that he could have seized. And he also had one officer that uh, really was underperforming, was costing uh, the effort greatly. But Eisenhower was kind of slow to replace him. Everybody said like this guy's incompetent. He's he's a terrible officer, but Eisenhower was kind of loyal. He he believed in loyalty and so on, but. But it cost him, and ultimately he realized, I've got to make some adjustments here. I, yeah. I've got to be quicker to replace non-performers. I've got to seize opportunities. I can't be too timid. I can't just be carrying my book around saying, what does the book say I'm supposed to do? Uh, and he, he adjusted. And, of course, ultimately he is the supreme commander invading Europe and uh, leading to the defeat of Germany. And then he becomes elected president twice. And, and ends up with a very successful career. But uh, reality had to recalibrate him. Yeah. Uh, all the book learning in the world could not replace actual battle experience. Uh, and so that's why I find um, that with us, how you use the experiences you have, often the difficult ones, can mean the world in terms of your proper perspective and, and your growth. And there's a, there's a wonderful uh, passage in, in John 13, verse 36 to 38 that uh, I've always appreciated. And that's about uh, Peter. And Peter uh, is aggressive. He's ambitious. He, he's got a career ahead of him. He, he left the fishing business because he, he, he jumped into the, uh, to being a disciple of Jesus. And he's planning on being a, a vice president, um, uh, serving at Jesus' right hand with the Messiah. And he's got... Uh, big plans and big ambitions. He likes to speak up and take the stage and have the right answers. And, and so uh, they're, they're having the Last Supper, and Jesus keeps referring to things. Uh, and it's obvious that he's planning to go somewhere important. Peter's not quite sure where, but if Jesus is going somewhere important, he intends to be there right at his side. Yeah. And so in verse 36, he says, uh, Lord, uh, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? 
Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay my, down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. So here's Peter with an overestimated view of himself and his ability. He thinks he's ready to go with Jesus. Yeah. But before that night's over, not only will he not go with Jesus, but he will deny he even knows Jesus. He'll, he's ready for his next victory. He's on the brink of his worst defeat. Uh, and it won't be until he the crisis of that night that Peter finally sees himself as he really is. Hmm. Uh, and so Jesus is going to the cross, and Peter's like, oh, I'll go with you. And one of the principles we've talked about often is God tends to match assignments with character. And so if you've got a small character, he'll give you a small assignment. The worst thing for a leader is to have a big assignment when you have a small character to Mm -hmm. hold it up with. And so Peter's character has got to grow first. He's overconfident, prideful, boastful. Uh, He likes to compare himself to others, all kinds of character issues that are just not going to get him far in Jesus' kingdom. And so uh, what's going to happen is after uh, boasting that, that uh, he can go anywhere Jesus wants him to go, Jesus says, well, okay, come with me to pray, Peter. And, of course, Peter falls asleep. Like Peter yeah. can't even pray for an hour. It's like you're going to lay your life down for me, but you can't pray for an hour? I, I'd say you're not ready yet. And by the way, in the Bible, oftentimes our prayer life is a pretty good indicator of what we're capable of handling. Uh, if we can't handle prayer with Jesus in the garden, we're certainly not going to handle carrying a cross and facing uh, enemies. And then after the prayer time, a bunch of thugs come up to, with Judas, and Peter again tries to do what he thinks is right. He pulls out a sword, tries to take on a bunch of armed men, and Jesus rebukes him and, and basically says, put that thing away, Peter, before you hurt someone else. Uh, that's not what we're going to do here. And that really confuses Peter. He's already fallen asleep in the prayer time. Then he tried to do the right thing in fighting these thugs, and he gets rebuked for that. And then, of course, he denies, he even knows Jesus uh, in the next part of that story. And so he's just had a series of failures, and all of a sudden this boastful, prideful disciple is going out into the night weeping bitterly and realizing, I failed miserably. Um, And that could have been the end of the story for him. In fact, when you see him in John chapter 21, he gets up and says to some of his friends, hey, I'm going fishing. And you almost have the sense that he's given up being a disciple. It's like, I, yeah. I, obviously, I don't have what it takes. And, um, but, of course, Jesus is very gracious. And even as he said here in chapter 13, he said, uh, Peter, you don't have what it takes to go with me now, but you will eventually. And, yeah. and what Jesus was saying is, first I've got to grow you, then I'll use you. And uh, if you're willing to let Jesus grow your character and your faith, your leadership ability, uh, God can increase your your capacity to lead, mm-hmm. uh, but he'll do that first. And with Peter, it wasn't until the hard knocks of life, the trials and tests of life, that uh, he finally saw himself as he was. He saw how much help he needed, and he was willing to change. Richard and Daniel Blackaby will be at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove on May 17th through 19th, 2021. The title of this event is On the Move, How God Increases Your Spiritual Influence. You can find out more and register at thecove.org. Links will also be in the show notes. Well, Richard, I love the story of uh, 
you know, Peter overestimating himself and, and it's fun to, you know, maybe have a laugh at his expense. Say, well, <laughs> you know, I would never do that, but, uh, uh, yeah, look at duck right after yeah, you say that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I love how, how the Bible often illustrates those, uh, those lessons that, that we can learn through it and, and don't necessarily have to learn, uh, an experience, but, but oftentimes we do, um, maybe just as we close out uh, this podcast, what, what else can we learn through time and experience and, and these trials uh, that help shape and grow our leadership? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think God wants your trials, even your failures, to discourage you. God wants them to inform you. Mm. Uh, when you fall short, now you know yourself better. Now you know what you need to address and work on so you don't fall short the next time. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't just give up. Don't quit. Uh, some of the best, uh, most revealing experiences of your life are going to be the failures, the crises, when you were pushed right to the brink, and you realize, okay, I, I, I caved there, I, I, I stumbled there. What would I need to address so I don't stumble the next time? And, and I always tell people, just exegete your failures, exegete the crisis. Maybe, maybe you didn't fail, but you, you just barely survived. Uh, you know, I... I, I barely survived that half marathon I ran. Yeah. I was kind of limping in, and I realized there's a few things, if, if I ever were to do it again, I would I would do differently. Uh, I don't want to run it the same way I ran the, the, the last one. Yeah. I, uh, so you, 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 you set it up on the examining table and say, well, let me just pick apart what I did. Yeah. And, and there's a couple of good questions you can ask. Like after you get through a crisis, a trial, even a failure... You can ask three uh, really important questions. One is, what did I learn about myself? Peter, if he'd asked that, uh, what did I learn about myself through that? Well, I should stop bragging about stuff that I don't really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I'm much more vulnerable than I thought I was. Um, and uh, I, I really need to step up my prayer life. I couldn't even pray for an hour. Uh, and next time I need to stay closer to Jesus and not get off in a courtyard where I can be tempted to deny him. And he'd probably have a long list if you yeah, asked him, yeah. what did you learn from all that, Peter? Uh, he, you, you know he thought a lot about that. Yeah. Uh, a second question would be, well, what did I learn about leadership? Uh, you know, I, Peter kept wanting to lead, but uh, he, he did it by bragging, by boasting, by talking a lot. But really, leadership comes from action. It comes from following through with what you said. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes from uh, a character that's solid and, and doesn't fall apart as soon as pressure comes. Uh, and and uh, pe- you know, a lot of times people think they've, they've read lots of books about leadership, but you don't really know leadership till you've led. Right. Because people don't respond the way you think they should. You know, if I just say we're going this way, all the people will follow and then, then try doing that <laughs> and see how many people aren't following. Uh, and so uh, Peter could have unpacked that and said, yeah, I learned a lot about leadership. Uh, I thought I was a leader of the disciples, but, uh, you know, John, uh, that, that youngest disciple of all was the only one that still hung around the cross when all the rest of us are running into the, into the night. And the last thing you might ask is, what did I learn about God through this? Hmm. Uh, and what he learned about God from, from Jesus was, uh, he doesn't just beat you over the head when you fail. He says, okay, let's get back on our feet. And what do we, what did we learn from this? Yeah. One is stay close to God uh, when you're going through trials. Know that he won't forsake you. 
know that he, he actually wants to prepare you ahead of time if you'll listen to him and pay attention. He'll help you get ready for the trial he knows is coming. And so what do you learn about yourself? What do you learn about leadership? What do you learn about God? Great questions to ask every time you go through a crisis. And, uh, you know, I, uh, one thing I, I, I know just in my own life, um, I, I, uh, we don't like crises. We don't like trials. But we tend to either overestimate ourselves like Peter or we underestimate ourselves like Moses. You know, Moses like, hey, you got the wrong guy, God. I can't speak, can't do that. And but what you want is an accurate. You just want to be you don't want to overestimate yourself, but you don't want to underestimate either. Like, where am I at with God right now? Where am I at as a leader right now? Uh, Where am I at just controlling myself and being disciplined and, and following through to do the right things? I remember when I was just a. A, a fairly new uh, seminary president of a seminary. Uh, you know, it's great when you start a new job and they everybody's happy to see you. They throw a little welcome party. You have a honeymoon period. But then at a certain point, you have to just lead. And uh, anyone can handle a honeymoon and an opening speech and a rah, rah, guys, yeah. we're looking forward to the days ahead kind of thing. But uh, eventually those days ahead come. <laughs> yeah. And then now you got to lead. And I remember things were kind of, you know, moving along all right, I thought, until one day uh, I discovered uh, that I basically, I I learned some information that meant I was going to have to fire the most popular employee that I had. And Mm. that wasn't going to be well received by everybody. It was going to be very traumatic. It was, it was going to be very messy and very painful, very difficult. It was one of the most difficult things I probably, maybe the most difficult thing at that point I'd ever done as a leader. And it just chewed me up. And it was painful, but I, I had to keep, and I would, if I could do it over again, there's lots of things I'd do differently as I reflected on it, but I kind of plowed through and tried to do what I knew to do, what seemed best. And, um, and I, I remember when I got to the other side, I felt almost sick to my stomach, some of the stuff I had to, to deal with, but I got to the other side and I'll never forget my academic dean came to me. And he said, Richard, the day you walked in the door, you were the boss, that you were the leader. But he said, after watching you do what you've done, he said, now everybody sees you as the leader. They look to you as the leader. And I realized, even though it was the most painful thing maybe I'd gone through, by going through that and growing and calling out to God and seeking counsel and making adjustments, I'd grown through it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the same leader I was before. And I was in some ways humbler, more realistic, more cautious, more aware of problems, uh, more sensitive to how quickly something can come along and, you know, shake, rock the boat. And, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, I look back and the times that I probably led the best or at least came out of it as a stronger leader were during the trials and the difficult times. And so, COVID in this past year, we've all gone through unprecedented experiences, challenges. Um, and, you know, you can just sort of limp through that and just hold on to the get to the other side. Or when these kind of COVID-like trials come, economic trials, political trials, we can look at all that and say, and so what am I learning about myself through this? How I handled yeah. it, if I had to lay off people, if I had to find ways to pay our bills. Uh, what did I learn about leadership and how to lead people through crises and and help people stay calm and, and remain confident in the leadership team? And what did I learn about God? 
uh, as God took me through a very, very challenging time. Hmm. Three great questions to ask all of us. I think everyone listening to this podcast in this past year have gone through some trials, yeah. tribulations, and tests. Um, and the question is, what have you learned from it? How will you come out of it better than you've been going in? Well, that's great, Richard. I think uh, something that really stood out to me was uh, just the fact that we learn all these things about ourselves and uh, we can grow from them. But th- there, all those people that we were leading are also watching and mm-hmm. uh, they're growing as well as, as we face those uh, challenging times yeah. and, and grow ourselves from it. So, and you know, you're, you're, it's a dangerous thing when, when a leader's view of himself and his ability gets too far removed from reality. Yeah. And so I think you, you start to get too high a view, too low a view, your people are, are vulnerable. Exactly. And so life has a way of calibrating you again yeah. so that you're closer to the truth. And so don't be afraid of life and the tests it brings. All it does is reveal to you the truth. And leaders have got to deal with reality, yeah. whether it's pleasant or not, and if they're going to move their people yeah. and themselves forward. Make those adjustments and move on. Well, thank you so much again, Richard, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.